severing ties. A stunned Alex lay still for a short time until he had figured out what had happened. He quickly reached for a weapon and cried out to Mr. Today for help. Okay, backing up, sorry. Last time we read at the end of the chapter, everything was going well. They went and removed the hidden entrance at the palace for High Priest Justine. And they were leaving. They were like, oh, this is all good. We found out that Mr. Today and Justine are twins. And then something punched Alex and he blacked out. So now he's waking up and yelling for Mr. Today. Mr. Today turned to see what the commotion was, just as Alex pointed the highlighter at his brother and wildly shot a round of blindless spells, missing Aaron but hitting Mr. Today squarely in the eyes, causing him to double over in pain and lower himself blindly to the full floor. Simber, shouted the mage. Simber, who had made it all the way to the secret passage, had to back up the entire way because nowhere was it wide enough to allow him to turn around. He roared his frustration and scuttled ungracefully in reverse. Aaron, eyeing the other, stood near one of the palace guards. Pure hatred dripped from his features. You useless, unwanted piece of dirt, Aaron seethed. You ruined my life with this. When this battle is over, Justine will dispose of me, and it's all your fault. Why couldn't you leave me alone? In his hand, he held something small and shiny. Alex's eyes widened. Aaron, why? Wait, why won't you just believe me? You'll stoop to do stoop to anything, won't you? As he talked, buying time, he scrambled for a ball of clay, a fire dragon, a handful of scatter clips, anything. But his supplies were substantially depleted after a long day, and he had to dig deep to grasp hold of anything. As Mr. Today hurriedly neutralized the blind spell on himself, and as Simber scrambled backward, nearly trampling the mage in order to reach the wide foyer where he could turn himself around, and as Alex scooted on his backside along the cold floor, searching wildly for something with which to defend himself, and finally landing his fingers on a freeze brush. Aaron pulled his arm back and shouted, I hope you die a thousand deaths. He threw the metal object with all his might. Alex, hearing the horribly familiar words, seeing the scatter clip, suddenly realizing, realized the meaning of Lainey's note. No, he pointed the, he pointed the freeze brush frantically at Alex and uttered a curse, hitting his mark as the scatter clip whizzed toward him. So do you guys remember Alex got a note from Lainey and in it said, I hope you die a thousand deaths. And he was like, oh, really mature. I thought you weren't mad at me anymore. She was really sending him. He asked her to look up one of the lethal spells. That was the lethal spell. And now Aaron is using it on Alex. No, he pointed the freeze brush frantically at Aaron and uttered a curse, hitting his mark as the scatter clip whizzed toward him. Mr. Today cried out and cast a glass wall spell trying to stop the scatter clip, but it was too late. The simple, innocent scatter clip combined with the words to make it lethal had found its mark in Alex's chest. Simber finally turned around, crashed through the glass wall and looked from one twin to the other, at first unsure which boy was which. Mr. Today pointed wild, pointed wildly at Aaron, frozen place, and Simber immediately pounced on the frozen boy, bringing him to crashing to the ground. Aaron screamed, his mouth stuck open, his eyes begging Simber not to hurt him. Mr. Today rushed to Alex's side as the boy fell back, his eyes glazing over, a look of surprise turning into horror on his face. He grasped the air wildly, unable to get a hold of the clip that embedded itself through his vest and into his chest and gasped for air. Don't kill him, 
Alex managed to rasp before he lost consciousness. So that got a little confusing. Aaron threw a scatter clip. Aaron threw a scatter clip at Alex and yelled the incantation that was lethal. So Alex is laying on the ground, losing consciousness, has a scatter clip, a lethal scatter clip in his chest. Lainey helped Samit into the mansion as one of the protectors met them at the door. They got Samid settled into the newly created hospital wing along with others, with, alongside others with various wounds. Quickly, Lainey washed and bandaged her leg, and despite the protector's protest, she went back outside as the sun was setting, just as a large shadow passed overhead. She looked up and saw Simber flying elegantly out to sea with a passenger, and she wondered briefly what that was all about, but she didn't have time to think about it. She scurried toward her commander, Araha, at their station point, pelting 10-minute sleep spells left and right along the way. Lainey, it was Florence. I need you at the front line. Lainey glanced over at Araha, who nodded. Araha is the guard, and then Florence, I believe, is the other statue. Lainey followed Florence to the entrance just as a new line of squealing vehicles and marching military soldiers poured in, yelling wildly. These soldiers had no guns. Rather, their weapons were quite unrecognizable to anyone who had not grown up in a family that collected rusty scrap metal. The Artemanians blasted the military as they arrived, causing a pileup of hard shell stiffened bodies such as the last vehicles couldn't get through without driving over them. And even most of the jalopies conked out. As darkness settled and the various jungle creatures that could see quite well in the dark came out to fight, the confusion grew. Lainey positioned herself behind a tree, finding it difficult to tell who was a friend and who was foe. And then a rumor spread its way to his ears, her ears. The governors have arrived. Lainey shivered. Her mind raced back to the previous months as she struggled with her decision. Would she use lethal weapons? She had ultimately decided that she would not, with one exception. And now as she peered out into the darkness and confusion, that exception was slipping inside Artemé and stealing toward her carrying a pistol in hand, the kind that only the governors owned. The pistol, Lainey knew, was a hundred times stronger than that weak pellet gun that some of the quilletary had. One shot could kill a full-grown human or beast. Lainey reached into her vest, her eyes narrowing as she glued them on her father. She took out her one and only throwing star, which Samid had given her when she'd asked him for it months ago. She pressed the metal to her lips and whispered an incantation as her father slipped along the wall, darting between trees, his pistol gleaming whenever it caught a ray of moonlight. He followed him into a clump of trees. He's going to hide, lie, and wait? What a coward. She grew angrier and angrier as all the thoughts of the purge flooded back to her. How his shame must have been so great that he could not even acknowledge her goodbye at the gate. A coward, she thought over and over again, until it became a challenge to her to make him admit it was so. Beg me not to kill you. See how it feels. All she knew was that she would not give her father a chance like Samid had done for his father. She had learned her lessons well enough that day. She crept closer and watched him from 10 feet away, thinking how stupid he must be not to notice he was being followed. Your intelligence and your strength won't save you now, dear father. Lainey shifted to get a better view. She couldn't see what her father was doing. As she moved around the tree chunk, her vest caught on a tiny branch. It snapped off. Lainey froze as Governor, Senior Governor Haluki 
Lainey Froze, a senior Governor Haluki. turned sharply at the noise. Who's there? He whispered sharply. Lainey held her breath, and then, because she was not a coward like her father, she stepped out from behind the tree into the shadows. Claire, Senior Governor Haluki said uncertainly. Fingering her weapon, the metal growing hot in her fingers, Lainey stepped closer, her rage increasing. No, father, she spat. It's me, or have you forgotten me, just like all the others conveniently forget their children? A tiny sob caught in her throat as she twisted her arm behind her expertly, just as Samid had taught her, and prepared to fire. Governor Haluki sucked in a breath. Oh, Lainey, he whispered. He glanced over his shoulder in each direction and then stopped, stepped toward his daughter, holding out his hand just as she snapped her wrist and sent the deadly star in flight. No, Lainey, you don't understand, he cried. The star struck him at an awkward angle as he fell to the ground, rolling and writhing wildly in pain, his body transformed into an enormous gray wolf. He took off, running, tripping, limping into the night, the gun lay gleaming on the ground where he had stood. What? So Lainey's dad was the wolf that was talking to Mr. Today and going in that tube between Artemis and Quill. Lainey's dad is like a spy, like a double agent. He lives in Quill, but then he's also a, a wolf in the jungle, I guess. Um, Claire, I saw your chat question. If you stay on after read aloud, I'll help you. Wow, I did not see that twist coming. Simber with the, so now we're back to Alex and Mr. Today and Simber. Simber, with the unconscious bleeding Alex, cradled gently in his enormous jaws, and the captured, now thawed, terrorized Aaron, hanging on Simber's neck for dear life, nodded to Mr. Today and sped fluidly along the shore, leaped into the air, and flapped his powerful wings. He rose up high enough to clear the Great Wall and flew in a direct path this time, at his top speed, over the barbed wire ceiling that covered the land of Quill. Aaron cried desperately in fear all the way, knowing that falling would mean certain death, but that hanging on might give him another option. Eventually, Mr. Today cruised around the perimeter in the boat, which could magically sense the reefs and rocks in the dark. As the waves pounded the side of the craft, the weary man's eyes filled with grief. He whispered constantly, pulling at his hair. Not Alex. Please not him. It can't happen like this, Marcus, you careless fool. How many more deaths will you be responsible for? When he neared Artemy, he slowed and cast the anchor spell. Simber, without either boy now, swooped to within sight in the moonlit evening, and the man climbed nimbly on the cheetah's back. How is he? Marcus asked in a low voice. Still alive, Simber said. Your enchantment of the vest may have saved him. And the twin Aaron? Simber roared in frustration. He screamed and pounded me the whole way. Finally, he jumped as we flew over the inlet at the shore of Artemis. I expect he'll have drowned by now or be eaten by sharks. I left him. It was more important to get Alex inside. He's lost a lot of blood, and indeed the blood has stained Simber's sandstone mouth and neck, making him look fiercer than ever. But we have other troubles right now. Justine is holding a pistol on Claire. Gunner is missing. Florence was hit by an out-of-control vehicle, and she's lopped off at the knees. Octavia is now Septavia. She lost a tentacle, but she'll regenerate. Sean and Megan are on the roof playing sniper. E-gods, I'll say. 
Mr. Today gazed across Artemis, counting the remaining Quillians, and then mussed over his spell strengths and capabilities. There are less than a hundred of them left, he said. I think I can stop the remaining ones on my own. And Quill has seen enough, knowing we are a strong force to be reckoned with. He'll think twice about fighting us again, which means our future is safe from further attacks. Yes, my friend, it's time. You and I both know the only spell that will end this. I hate to do it. It won't hurt them. That's exactly why I hate to do it, growled the cheetah. Thought you might catch Aaron in it, which would keep him out of our hair for now. Mr. Today patted the cheetah's smooth neck. You had a moment of glory in the palace, Sim. You saved Alex, and you'll have another one soon. In the meantime, Claire will be all right, won't she? I certainly hope so. Justine won't shoot her without me there. She'll want me to witness it. I'm sure she thinks it'll be symbolic. Mr. Today's voice was bitter. I imagine Claire knows that too. Claire is Mr. Today's daughter, if you forgot. So he's worried that Justine is going to kill Claire. All right, then it's settled. Here we go, my friend. Simber took a pass along the seashore from mansion to jungle as Mr. Today held out his hand over the lawn. Back and forth they flew, Mr. Today keeping his hand out and concentrating very hard to hold the spell on so many people. Simber being very careful to weave just so across the property, trying not to miss any of it as if he were mowing the lawn. When they had covered all the land up to the entrance of Quill, Mr. Today, barely holding onto the weighty spell, whispered, Quillitary, take a dive. And he snapped his fingers. Immediately and as one body, the remaining mobile Quillitary stopped fighting, turned, and marched their way to the seashore. The Artemians, who had a moment ago been fighting, now caught their breath and watched in surprise as the Quillitary stopped and stood in shallow water. Simber flew over them. Freeze, Mr. Today said. The water at the shore froze, trapping all the Quillitary in place, making them furious but oddly cooling some of the hotheads nicely. The people and creatures of Artemis looked up at their leader and broke into applause. All right, Simber, take me to Claire and then stay alert. Watch for my signal. Lainey gasped and clapped her hand to her mouth as the gray wolf stumbled off. She was confused. Father, she whispered, but he was already gone. She had seen the wolf before from a distance, and she thought it odd that such a wild creature would have bounded out of the mansion the previous day, only to disappear again shortly after. And then it all began to make sense. Oh, father, what have I done? What have you done? Gingerly, she picked up the gun, feeling its weight in her hand, remembering when she was 10 and her father had let her hold it, had even taken her to the quillitary range on purge day when she was 11 to teach her how to carry it safely and to let her shoot it when no one else was around. He had made her promise not to tell anyone. That was one secret she'd kept because it seemed too, too sacred a moment to work into one of her wild stories. But to her now, the gun represented awful things. She disarmed the gun and slid it into her vest, realizing that despite her knowledge of its workings and all her father had taught her, perhaps even in preparation for this day, she could never, ever use it. She snuck off through the trees, growing wearier and hungrier as everything slipped into sight, into night, and suddenly wondered what had happened to Alex, for it had been hours since she'd last seen him. She stopped short. Hmm, she thought, wondering if she could manage to do one of Alex's favorite spells. She withdrew a paintbrush from her pocket, whispered, invisible and brushed herself up and down with it. The last thing to disappear was the gleam in her eye. Back at the mansion, the injured Samid had too much time to think about how his actions as Will's assistant had contributed to the battle raging. 
And seeing his father again, once his hero, so willing to kill his own son, how could Samid have ever wanted to go back there, be a part of that? Now the guilt overcame him, and he could lie still no longer with his battle raging around him. He struggled to his feet, slipped his component vest on, and when the caretakers weren't looking, he limped outside. As the entire remaining quillitary marched into sea, a drenched, bedraggled body finally hoisted himself up to his feet on the beach. He coughed and spit seawater and began wiping the sand from his face and clothes. In the dark, he located the looming mansion and stole quietly in that direction, limping and squishing slightly. He stepped over bodies until he found one wearing a vest like Alex's. Aaron disrobed the fallen Artemian and slipped the vest over his own shoulders, feeling for the one magical item he actually knew how to use. He found a treasure of them and took one, rubbing it between his fingers, his eyes darting wildly now looking for prey. I'll earn my position back. I must prove myself to the high priest. I'll find the old man and I will kill him. And then I'll finish off Alex once and for all. At the corner of the mansion, Aaron stood deep in the shadows. He saw her, the great high priest, the one he would do anything for in order to regain her favor. He knew that now he must be Alex, act like Alex. They must not suspect. He hoped no one had yet heard what had really happened to his twin. As he watched Mr. Today approach, he looked around at the bizarre assortment of creatures. Alex, someone whispered. Aaron jumped and turned sharply, coming face to face with a sharp tooth alligator that had several spindly arms. He nearly screamed in fright. Alex, Miss Octavia whispered again. Be ready with your scatter clips. The lethal verbal component is die a thousand deaths. If Justine makes any false moves, do your worst, my boy. She'll have to die if any of this is to be resolved. Are you comfortable with that? Aaron blinked, sucked in a breath, and nodded. He didn't understand half of what the creature was saying, but it was enough to know that he had accidentally stumbled upon the verbal component to the spell, which was also the mantra, the quillitary. He held the clip poised, appearing ready to throw in the direction of Justine, but his eyes burned into the back of the head of Mr. Today, who stood only slightly to the side of the high priest. Samid, seeing the high priest, crept forward behind the octagator and Alex, realizing the severity of the scene before him, Justine and Mr. Today about to be face to face once again. He remained quiet, pulling a throwing star from his vest in case it was needed. If only he could take down Justine, it would prove to anyone, prove to everyone that he was not the traitor. Miss Octavia readied herself as well and then glanced more carefully at the boy beside her. She frowned. Something didn't seem right. Samid noticed her glance and he took another look at Alex, at the way he stood and at his hand that held the scatter clip. Samid's eyes narrowed and then flashed with fire. He and Will Blair had been studying Alex for months. He knew what was wrong. This boy held the scatter clip in his right hand. It's not Alex, Samid whispered. Aaron's eyes widened in surprise. He tried to run, but Samid muttered, break a leg, which made Aaron squeal in pain and hop on one foot. In one swift motion, four of Miss Octavia's remaining seven appendages threaded and twisted over the boy's arms and around his legs, rendering his struggles useless and forcing his good leg to buckle. He dropped to the ground. Silence, she said in a low voice. Aaron's cry died in his throat. He shook violently, helplessly. Well done, Samid, Miss Octavia said. Don't move another inch, Aaron Stowe, or you're a dead man. She growled into his ear and chomped her teeth together to keep from biting his head off completely. 
Hello again, Mr. Today said coldly as he approached the high priest's vehicle. All around him were piles of wounded, sleeping, or splatter-painted quilletary. On the road beyond the high priest, a pileup of smoking vehicles groaned in various stages of death. The rest of Artemis walking wounded suddenly bereft their enemies, picking their way around bodies and fell in behind their leader, ready to carry on if necessary for as long as they could stand and draw breath. Marcus, my dear, came the sarcastic reply. I've been waiting for you. How terribly polite. Indeed, she said. The high priest Justine sat on the seat of her vehicle with Claire mourning, tucked securely under one arm. I just realized Mr. Today has a daughter named Claire Mourning. His last name is Today and her last name is Mourning. I wonder if that, I wonder why, I don't know why. Claire Mourning securely under one arm, a pistol pointed at Claire's temple. That's her head. Governor Strang sat beside her, his pistol trained on Megan Ranger, who lay on the corner of the mansion roof nearest them. Four more governors stood at the entrance with their pistols pointing randomly at anyone who dared move. Only senior Governor Haluki was missing. Your young protege Aaron sends his regards. Shame that you should punish him. He's the one who might have saved you all, Mr. Today said evenly. Justine's eyes narrowed. Oh, come now, Justine. Why so suspicious? Have you forgotten our little secret passage to the place, palace? He asked. And oh, dear, let me see. One, two, three, four, five. Good heavens, you're missing a governor. Pity. The four standing governors wavered, casting sidelong glances at one another in the starlight. Dear me, and have you not told your governors about your secret gift? You know, he whispered loudly. Magic? Enough, shouted Justine. You do not deny it? Silence, you traitor. Marcus today smiled a small smile. Justine, honestly, have you no secrets on me that you can reveal to my people so that they might gaze at me suspiciously as your governors are now looking at you? Surely there must be something. Justine glared at Mr. Today. She cocked the hammer of the pistol that grazed Claire's temple. Claire closed her eyes reflexively and then opened them again, granting permission to her father to do whatever it took. What have you done with Aaron? Hmm? Oh, the twin? Well, there was a bit of a skirmish at the palace, you see. You know how it is with twins. He chuckled hollowed, hollowly. Best of friends, worst of enemies, all that rot. I imagine he's around here somewhere. Pity he isn't coming to your aid. Justine snarled and looked at Claire, judging her features. All these years, Marcus, 30 of the last 50 years, you've spent betraying me and all that I've stood for, all that we've stood for. After all I've done for you and for Quill, how could you? Mr. Today sighed and looked up at the sky. He shook his head slowly and then looked back at the high priest. The question is, dear sister, how could you? Justine's face burned. She stood up in the vehicle and wrenched Claire to her feet. Say goodbye to your daughter once and for all, she spat. Mr. Today nodded amicably at the high priest and smiled warmly at Claire. Goodbye, daughter, he said. From the sky, a whirlwind. Simber swooped in with his powerful wings, knocking four governors across the road and the fifth headfirst into the back seat. He grabbed Claire in his jaws and sailed away. When shots rang out in confusion, it was the high priest Justine who slumped over in her seat and began to deflate like a balloon until she was nothing but a flat rubber body that flopped over and fell to the floor only to be stepped on in the aftermath. Clearly, no bullet had done that to her. 
No one could see the invisible Lainey, nor could they hear her whisper, Evermore, nevermore, an irrevocable spell that she had delighted in finding in her studies. And this was the perfect use for it. Justine would forevermore be silent and useless. Take that, you old windbag, she muttered when she saw it had worked perfectly. Afterward, Lainey ran as fast as she could toward the part of the shore that remained unfrozen. She took the gun from her vest and flung it as far as she could into the sea. And then, finally, she slipped away to the forest to find her father.